0: Welcome to the Game of Crowdfunding Interview Edition, recorded Wednesday, April 30th, 2014. That's right, we're back again with more interviews for you. This time we're going to be talking to somebody that's actually going to be using Kickstarter here in the very near future for, I believe, the first time. But we'll get into that when we have the conversation. So... Who is joining me from Google Hangout today?
1: I am Sean Howard. My game company is Knights Crest Games. However, some of you may know me from my game review show, actually on the Dice Tower, called Gamer's Remorse.
0: That's right. A fellow game reviewer. (laughs) So before we even get into it, so tell me why, uh, you know, because we're both game reviewers, so shouldn't we be like at each other's throats and... (laughs) shouldn't we be like in some kind of anchorman style royal battle right now some grudge match
1: yeah absolutely <laughs> i actually have my sumo leotard in the background if you want to throw down later because if that's uh,
0: not the case i have a lot of people i need to go apologize to
1: right right <laughs> Uh, a lot of people, I think, somewhat think that. Like, oh, you're a game reviewer, you know, you guys can't get along. But I think it's much more, you know, it's the community, right? I mean, the community is what brings us all together. Game designers, game reviewers alike. So, yeah, you know, we're, we're all just here to have fun, play some games, you know.
0: There's a lot of, yeah, the the community side of things on the game reviewer side, just like there is in the regular game community. So, And a lot of times, uh, I know... Uh, Several of us are like, uh, that might not be a fit for me, but let me list five other people that would probably review that for you. Right. So uh, we, we refer all the time. Mm-hmm. All right. So I got some warm up questions for you before we get into this. And then uh, eventually we'll get a chance to talk about what you're working on. All right. Bring it on. All right. First question <laughs> is, what makes you a geek, sir?
1: What makes me a geek? Oh, so many, so many, uh, answers I could come up with that. Just in general, I geek out about a lot of things. I have a lot of interests. So, let's talk about hobbies first, right? My fiance loves to just laugh at my hobbies. I am big into, in addition to board game, you know, I leatherbind books, like with the full gold guild, gilding and everything else. I brew beer, I make wine, I just geek out on everything possible. Before my fiancé met me, I had a whole suit of armor, one that was Roman and one that was Greek in my uh, leather-bound library. So what makes me a geek? (laughs) I go overboard on everything. That's what I would say. Yeah.
0: Kind of a uh, companion question to that is, do you have geek level passions for something that most people would not consider geek related?
1: Yes. <laughs> so I think I a little bit explains over that. So leatherbind book creating, uh, if you will, I would say a lot of people wouldn't think that that is geeky until they really get into it. I mean, when you're starting to mix egg whites with vinegar and water concoctions to lay down really thin pieces of gold. I think you've, you've reached that plateau of geekery. <laughs> All right.
0: And then besides uh, designing games and reviewing games, uh, what do you do for a living,
1: sir? I'm actually a senior systems engineer at a avionics company. Largely, I deal with government contract type work to create the next gen systems, I guess you might say. Not getting into too much detail. Okay.
0: All right, so uh there you go for those keeping score at home. Doug, I'm talking to you. Another IT person <laughs> in the game design <laughs> field. <laughs> Our running theme here is that the majority of people that come on seem to either be in IT or like a teacher or something to do with education. And <laughs> multiple people now have been both.
1: That's fair. It's, I mean, it's, it is somewhat of an academic community. So I could, I could definitely see that. Uh, And
0: I think we've talked about it sometimes with various guests, but the other part too is from the IT side, you understand the idea behind testing and iterations and, and that kind of thing.
1: Oh yeah. Makes a lot of sense. And what are, what are board games, you know, aside from complex puzzles, right? And what's IT essentially complex puzzles, you know, a bunch of things are wound around each other and, how do you unstring that?
0: Yeah, And I think like for my part, like I don't design as much as I used to. Um, and I've talked about that off and on. But it, the majority of why I don't is because of the podcast stuff that I do now, obviously. I mean, I, I do a lot in the podcast space, but I think one of the reasons why I'm an okay reviewer a uh, game reviewer, and that's part of the podcast thing is because my favorite thing, I like to code, but my favorite thing right now, like when we work is actually troubleshooting.
1: Interesting. Yeah. So, okay.
0: it, you know, if you give me a prop, as long as, as long as somebody's not screaming at me, <laughs> like, like <laughs> I don't necessarily love troubleshooting while I'm on call. Cause that means it's usually a production issue. <laughs> But if I'm helping somebody else during their on-call or if I have a problem that's like, you know, not necessarily production-wise, I like just to be able to just sit down and tear into it and find out why something's not working. Mm -hmm. So I think that probably equates pretty well into looking at games from a critical aspect as well as enjoying them.
1: I could see that. So why do you review? Let's go there. Honestly, it... it kind of I, I saw it as a need in the community right so i saw there were a few game reviewers out there but i noticed that maybe i could add a couple of things my own little spin on it so one thing we do at gamers more not to you know tout my own show on your show no, but we, we have a bit more of a, a harder rubric right so i saw a lot of game reviewers you know just sort of saying oh i like this game or i didn't like this game but i couldn't tell to what level you know, so there, and if there was a score, it wasn't, well, why do you like that game sort of a thing? And also, I, at the time, when we first started our show, Tabletop came out, right? And although they're not a review show, they were highly entertaining and brought in a lot of people that maybe weren't in the board game community. And I saw that, hey, you know what, if you merge these two ideas together, you could have a game review show. That was very entertaining. Mind you, we don't have the celebrities that Tabletop has, but I thought, you know, maybe you could merge those two ideas, show a little bit of a playthrough, have some jokes, have some fun with it. And that's kind of what our show became, is, is something like that. So that's that's one of the reasons I, I became a game reviewer. The other thing was people started asking me, they're like, hey, you've played a number of games, would you check this out? And I'm like, oh, sure. So it started out kind of like playtesting, and then people wanted to know more, and I had the video equipment, so two and two, right?
0: You know, if you're uh, looking for that celebrity status, if you ask nicely, I'll come on,
1: Sean, so... Oh, okay. That could work. That could work. (laughs) All right. And I got to put
0: this up front because I know I, I, uh, especially people I mess with a lot when they're on or, or have a good time, you know, have a, an, overabundance of of ribbing or whatever you want to say sean and i do know each other (laughs) outside of this interview it wasn't like a two strangers come together to have a conversation (laughs) uh sean also hangs out over on the game crafter chat and is an admin and mod over there as well so uh another the game crafter alumni coming on and so if things get goofy we apologize in advance yes Here's a question for you because I don't think I've uh, ever had any conversation around this. I am trying to remember if I've had any other anybody else that does a, a lot of reviews on here. I think I have once, but it might have been early on. Do you think pretty much all reviewers or a good majority of reviewers kind of strive and thrive to potentially be designers as well or or what what do you think about that?
1: So that's that's funny you asked. I started to think that. I started to think that oh, all game reviewers start out as designers, right? I mean that kind of makes sense. There's sort of an evolutionary progression to that. However, I recently started talking to some of the other reviewers on the Dice Tower, and I was like, "Hey, you know, do you guys have game companies? I would love to play your games. You know, you seem like an interesting person. I bet you have an interesting game." And I, I got some feedback from some of them saying, "I don't, I don't make games." And I was like, "Oh, that just made sense to me." And I just made a, you know, a crazy assumption, I guess. So. So I would say a lot of us do, but not all of us. There are some game reviewers that just play a bunch of games and they they love games, but they don't have an interest in that skill set, perhaps.
0: Yeah, like you said, I said, it's such a backseat thing to me these days that it's it's almost like a vacation hobby type thing for me. Like if I actually have time to design something, that's like oh my god, you know, it's like I'm on vacation on a beach reading a book.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's so true though, just. I, Creating a game is so much fun to me just because you can let your mind wander all over the place. Try some weird mechanics, you know. Throw in some really weird stuff that you've never seen before or you've seen it work but not to the way you would like to have seen it, you know. So, yeah, creating a game is just vacation to me, you know. You can wrap yourself in your own little world and knock a game out, you know, in a couple of days and play test it, realize it's horrible, start over. Reviewing is different <laughs> right it's i don't want to say it's closer to work but i mean there's a lot more polishing i would say that goes on yet at the same time you don't feel the level of oh what's the word satisfaction when you're done maybe like i could i could change my review all day or what have you but it it feels less like something i created
0: yeah and it's one of those things, like and you know because we get it every once in a while in the in the gamecrafter chat where uh, especially if, if it's somebody relatively new uh, and they see some people asking us about either games they've sent us or something like that. And, you know, we kind of get the, wow, how can I do that? <laughs> how can I just sit back and get games or something like that? You know what I mean? Oh, right. And yeah. It's like, and you, sir, do video. Uh, which Mm -hmm. uh, if anybody's paid attention on even the main podcast, Jordan and I have such a high respect for people that video is their primary medium because, oh my God, the hurry up and wait factor and locking up my PC and everything else while rendering video and trying to edit video just drives me up the wall. I'm like, you know how I could be doing 20 different things right now while this is going on. So we Mm -hmm. have a high respect for people that, are primarily in video medium.
1: Yeah, you bring up a very interesting point, though, because a lot of people are saying, oh, I could review games. You know, I like games. Send me free games. That's all there is, right? And then you just write about it. And it's, well, there's a lot more to it than that because there, I, I really don't know how to, to say it other than there's a lot more work that goes into a review than you realize. Especially, like you said, video, but even audio, you know, even writing it up. I mean, there are elements that, it's almost like, uh at least in video review, I would say 75% of what we film ends up on the cutting floor, oh, yeah. right? So that doesn't mean we do retakes or what have you, but we try and get our shows 15 minutes long, which means a two-hour game, you know, we review Arkham or something like that. Guess what? You're not watching most of it. And that means I have to watch it about a dozen different times to try and make sure I'm getting the cuts right. I have to line the audio to the mouths. It's, yeah.
0: I just did our most, re- or it, it's not out yet, but I did the shoot for our most re- recent game preview since we started doing video stuff as well. And yeah, there's got to be at least, eight. you know, you say it's not multiple takes, but for me, I, I think I had eight to 10 takes on this one section that I was just <laughs> like, I, why am I not getting my head around this proper? Why am I not coming off proper? And I don't, if I would have tried to do it in one take, I'd have been back down here anyway, because mm-hmm. it just, uh, you know, I it, I wasn't formulating properly, or something, or I was just like, I know what I meant, but how it sounded is not doing justice. <laughs> you know what I mean? So,
1: yes, I absolutely know what you, you know. Mean. I'm
0: sitting here with like eight different takes, trying to cut something together for one section of you know like a three four section video that I usually do.
1: So, <laughs> so it sounded like a robot. This game is great. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And yeah, you definitely want to avoid that stuff. So yeah. And like you said, it's the other thing is there is a lot of work that goes into it. Mm-hmm. And uh it's that I think that's one thing that that's usually like one of my questions back when people start down that road, I always go and and not in a bad way, because if we didn't love games, we wouldn't be doing it. Right.
1: Right. I mean, it's absolutely a labor of love. Right.
0: But one of my questions back is always, what was the last game you played? Was it something you wanted to play? <laughs> did you pick it off the shelf, or did somebody schedule it for you, basically?
1: <laughs> Let's see. The last game I played was actually a brand new game that I created, so that's that's maybe a little bit cheating because most of the time it isn't. Yeah. But it was it was a micro game, but yeah, I wanted to play because I wanted to see if it worked, and my fiance hated it. So there's that. Yeah. But that's not this game that I'm kickstarting, folks. So don't worry about that. Yeah.
0: No, but I mean, that's, that's usually my questions back to somebody that goes, Oh my God, you're so lucky. (laughs) You just get, you just get all these free games and do nothing for them. Like, well, no, no, wait a minute here.
1: (laughs) Right. Right. I mean, we're, we're a little bit their coach because we give them feedback on what we do and don't like, but there's, there's a lot of work there. I mean, I think some of our worst reviews were just difficulty reading the rules and trying to figure out, now, how is this game played? Because sometimes, you know, they send us, a prototype copy that you know they wrote down the rules and it made sense to them so i think there's a lot of work there and it, yeah it's like you said it's a labor of love we wouldn't do it if we didn't want to do it so
0: right. yeah just we like to point out that it's not all unicorns and rainbows and free, <laughs> games, rainbow yeah. Game, free games yeah <laughs> all right so uh we've we've thoroughly covered the game review side of things. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we're passionate about it folks okay so let me remove this (laughs) soapbox and uh let's let's move into at what point and how did you decide to go about creating kind of your own game company then
1: oh man so this was i believe it was before the game crafter existed so i'm sure all of you know about the game crafter it's a great and easy way to make your games okay i got that (laughs) plug out of the way (laughs) before the Game Crafter. Let me talk about life before the Game Crafter, right? So I, I had a few ideas. And actually, my ideas came from playing other games that were out there that were very popular, and I didn't understand why. So one of these games that I don't particularly like is Apples to Apples. And I said, why is this game so popular? It's really like choose and lose, right? So I have five options. All right, here's one. Oh, I never win because, you know. Joe Schmo over there only picks food items because that's what he does, you know. The other person picks things that don't make sense. Anyway, I'll I'll get off my rant on that. And I said, how can I make this game better? How can I make it funnier? And regardless, it sounds like it feels like someone else beat me to that punch with uh, Cards Against Humanity. (laughs) But I I set to making a different game that ultimately I called Social. That was a it was kind of a mix between apples to apples. And Scrabble, right? So instead of putting down little tokens with a letter, it would be a word and you'd create a sentence. And then someone had to answer that question. It was actually pretty fun. But I ran into so many problems creating this game just because it was, okay, you have to... Okay, I made the cards in Word, which probably hindsight being 2020, not the best medium. Uh InDesign is actually better if you guys are interested in that. So I made that and then I went about making the rules and I discovered the difficulty with making really good rules. And then I figured out, okay, now I have eight and a half by eleven sheets of paper with my nine cards on it. How do I cut these? So I started doing it by hand and I'm like, there has to be an easier way. So ultimately I bought a die cutter and went that route and then reading online I figured out you could, you know, actually get a company to do this for you. I don't remember what your original question was, but <laughs> Essentially my interest in creating games came from playing other games. Right.
0: And then so how how did you go from from that and kind of probably doing it as a hobby to creating a, or deciding that you wanted it to be more than a hobby?
1: Well, <laughs> I started to look at different aspects of it. First one is obviously, hey, everyone, you know, hey, friends, I made this game. You should play this game. And then I would sit back and watch them play this game. And they were actually having a lot of fun, a lot more fun than some of the other major games out there. And I was like, interesting. You know, I could probably do this for more than a hobby. And then, of course, Kickstarter came along and I had some good friends that are really big into, uh, you know, board game playing. And they said, you should put this on Kickstarter, you know, and I've had them ask about, you know, four or five different games that I made. I was like, interesting. I bet I could. And then that's what got me interested in, OK, how do how can I make smaller batches of this? And, you know, I learned about the Game Crafter and a couple other print-on-demand services And I really started looking at it. And then the more I got into the the GameCraft community, I started to realize that a lot of people on there, you know, were already doing this. I mean, you have Jason Glover and, help me out, Matt, the guy who did Host.
0: Robinson? Broken Prism Games.
1: You know, there was just a host, this big community that's like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I put up a Kickstarter game the other week and sold like hotcakes. And I was like, oh, I could probably do that. Right, so then I started submitting games to contests on the Game Crafter and a few other websites. And in the last contest, I actually had two of the seven spots for finalists. Mind you, I didn't win, but you know, I I got far enough, and I was like, you know what, I should really be looking at kickstarting and trying to make a business out of this. So,
0: and what which contest was that?
1: The mystery contest, mystery. actually. Okay. Yeah. All right.
0: And so, uh, what what's the company again?
1: Knights Crest Games. Knights Crest.
0: I think I kind of got the answer out of this, but did your interest in designing come before your interest in reviewing?
1: Yes, absolutely. I I mean, actually, through college, I was a a web designer slash graphic designer. That's kind of how I paid my way through to become an engineer. And uh, I, I learned a lot of graphic skills in that facet, which really have turned out to be incredibly useful in board game design. Just because that's one less paycheck I need to cut, you know, to have someone else make these graphics for me. Lucky bastard. <laughs> that
0: you know, that's that's always been my my biggest roadblock in in most of my designs, and maybe one of the reasons why it's it was so easy for me to kind of say, okay, well, this will just kind of be a, a, a side hobbyish thing. Because as soon as you get to anything graphical, I'm like, all right, I'm out. I <laughs> either got to hi- hire somebody or – I don't know. You tell me what that stick figure is supposed to look like.
1: <laughs> oh, which stick figure? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Hey, Mr. Uh, – what was that stick figure game that just came out? Mister, oh,
0: wasn't, wasn't it Mr. Card?
1: Was yeah, it like Mr. Card. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That sold a lot of copies, so stick yeah, figures yeah. are in.
0: Again, I, <laughs> if you give me half a chance, I will screw up a stick figure like nobody's
1: business. <laughs> To each their own, you know. That's why there's free vector stock online. You can just drag and drop some of those in.
0: You've, you've got multiple games. Have you been selling stuff, like, on the Game Crafter for a while, or have you not? I have. It? Okay.
1: So I've, I've probably sold, I don't know, a couple dozen games on the Game Crafter over the past year or so. I haven't been marketing very hard, which is, you know, the, the one way to really sell a lot of games on the Game Crafter is to market, market, market. And I haven't really been doing that, so...
0: Yeah, I don't know if we cover that very often here, but anybody that has been checking out the Game Crafter and for some reason you're not over there yet, which, what the hell. (laughs) (laughs) Because there's awesome people like us over there all the time. Right. Uh, But just like uh, I always say that Kickstarter is not your marketing, the Game Crafter is not your marketing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's your storefront. It can be your storefront, uh, but you have to do... If you want your game to sell you have to market it definitely right. just like if you want your kickstarter to succeed you really got to market it so mm-hmm. yeah so uh, i mean you kind of said you've had friends that kind of tell you and you and you met some of the other so uh, some of the other people from the game crafter that have done kickstarter so is that really kind of part of the driving force here behind you finally taking a game from off of uh, not just selling it on the game crafter to taking it to kickstarter
1: those were certainly some of the catalysts behind it but I was also searching a long time for the perfect game to be my first Kickstarter game. I'm unfortunately an engineer, which means I spend a lot of time over analyzing things before I jump to go do it. And I didn't want my first Kickstarter to be a miserable failure. So, A, you guys need to go out and back it once you see this game. B, I spent a lot of time trying to find the best game, right? The most... I don't know, a smaller game, right, almost like a micro game, while at the same time being very acceptable to the average gamer, right? I didn't want it to be a very heavy, strategical game. At the same time, I didn't want it to be all luck-based. I was trying to make it the most widely acceptable game to be my first game out there because I didn't want to shut any doors right out the gate. So creating that game certainly brought this about as well. So,
0: uh, this would be the, uh, part where, and again, I say it off and on throughout every show, but check the show notes because in the show notes I will have, uh, you have been sharing preview links. So I believe I got, I can get a preview link to put in the show notes. Correct. Correct. people will yep. check that out. And of course, we'll also link to Gamer's Remorse if you want to check that out as well. So check out the show notes for links to check out what Sean's working on. But we're going to be talking about Shogun Showdown, which will be coming to Kickstarter very soon. And why don't you give us the date you're looking at launching and then what your high-level pitch for Shogun Showdown is.
1: All right. So Shogun Showdown will be appearing May 27th on Kickstarter. That is a Tuesday evening and then running for 30 days. I haven't done the math to figure out exactly what day that ends on, but it's 30 days. So let's see. Shogun Showdown is a 36-card trick-taking game. Now, that sounds really light, and you know what? It is. That's one of the reasons I think it's such a cool game, just because I fit so much into minimal components, and that's the big underlying theme behind this game. So, Shogun Showdown. Each player is a shogun using their samurai uh, weapons, which include shuriken, the throwing stars, and temples. So, in each round, people shuffle up the deck. You know, it plays like a regular trick-taking game. There are three suits, uh, which are the different color of the samurai. There's black, white, and red, with denominations of one, two, and three. Three being the highest. Thus, a three black will defeat a Two black, two black will defeat a one black. But the really novel part about this game is that there are non-suited cards in it. So the shuriken and the temple cards are actually non-suited cards, which then means if you lead with the shuriken, someone could take it playing a samurai of any color. After that, if anyone has that samurai color, they have to play it to take the trick. So after the card play is finished, once everyone runs out of cards in their hand, you total up how many shuriken you have, how many temples you have, and how many samurai you have. Uh, the objective, of course, is to get as many uh, temples as possible. The player with the most temples becomes the defending shogun. So the second novel part of this game is you place the temple at the end of the table, and in between 6 and 10 feet, I found is the perfect uh, distance, players will now throw the shuriken that they won during the round at the temple card. So players get one point for winning the card round. Players get another point uh, if they knock over the temple. If no one knocks the temple over, then the defending shogun won. So there's two very interesting aspects to this game. You have your trick-taking, and then you have your card-flicking aspect to it. First player that gets four temples wins the game. Is that too low of level? No. no. <laughs> okay.
0: That was that was good. Yeah, so you've got the trick taking elements and you've got the dexterity elements all combined together in a a compact package, if you will. Mm-hmm. Have you set the prices and stuff? What are we looking at for getting a copy of the game?
1: Right. So the copy of the game is currently set at fifteen dollars. Uh, that includes shipping in the United States. Uh, outside the United States, I believe it's listed on there the additional amount. Now I'll. A lot of that also encompasses nine stretch goal cards that will be included. So it'll be up to 45 cards by the end of the Kickstarter. That also includes two clips and a card stand. So, and that's for one deck of cards. There's also uh, a $20 level, which includes a ninja uh, special, specialty card, uh, which allows you to defeat Samurai, but you will lose to shuriken. So it kind of turns the table on what the strongest card is. If you've ever played Rook, it's like having the Rook card. And then there is a $25 level, which will get you two decks of cards. The reason for that is you can actually combine two decks to make, instead of a two- to four-player game, you can make a three- to eight-player game. So it's extensible like most trick-taking games.
0: And then the uh, stands that you were talking about, that was so you could build up your temple to potentially be knocked over.
1: Correct, correct. So the more temples you actually have, the bigger the target gets, which makes it more difficult to get out ahead of the others. It's a little bit like a uh, rubber band effect, if you will, which is, I don't know if that's a common lay term, but when someone really starts getting out ahead of everyone else in a game, I like for the players that are behind to be able to catch up a little bit easier. So building that bigger target, you know, let's say you have three temples, you're about ready to take the fourth. Your target is now two cards wide and one card high. So it makes the target a lot easier to hit with those shuriken.
0: What was the inspiration for you to create this game? Why is this the one that you've decided needs to be the one you start? And again, this is your first Kickstarter, right?
1: Right. This okay. is my very first. So, so,
0: what what makes this one your your baby to start with? Your the <laughs> one that gets you off the
1: ground. All right. So I believe the whole uh, samurai ninja Japanese feudal times theme. Uh, seems to be getting fairly popular right now. Not to the zombie level, you know, the dreaded zombie level theme. that. Watch it. Yeah. <laughs> some people love it. Some people have gotten <laughs> sick of it. I was starting to get that way with the Cthulhu uh, themes. Anyway, or Cthulhu. And watch it. <laughs> so the Japanese feudal theme is big right now. Uh, the yeah, other thing that's is... Right.
0: Stay in your lane, Sean.
1: <laughs> the art style I used in this game is very uh enjoyable if you will it's very minimalistic so the shuriken they come in i think seven different denominations and you can actually look at the points on the star to determine the strength of it which you know i just use some really cool visual elements to it uh the other thing is that it's a trick-taking game most people have one trick-taking game that they have fond memories of for me it's rook other people it's euchre uh, some people are getting into haggis. I mean, there's there's all sorts of trick-taking games that just have a... It has a mass appeal to it. In addition, I don't see many card-flicking games out there. I think that's that might become a mechanic that's quickly brought into a lot of people's games. But as it is today, I can't think of many games that have it. That's, I think, because it's so unique and I like the, the visual elements I used. This is why I, I picked it as my first one. That, there's also a low price point... Uh, it's hard to find anything on Kickstarter beneath fifteen dollars, so I think yeah, those are the reasons.
0: So, <laughs> do you think there's a designer nostalgia going around on trick takings right now? Because we're we're starting to see uh, everybody's take on trick taking here recently.
1: I would say it's a little bit of a nostalgia. It's a little bit of a throwback, right? Because we we've, we've all played a trick taker at least at one point in our life. You know, there there might not be the most popular games right now, but we all have fond memories of them, I would say, at some point. And I think some people are starting to get a little bored, gamed out. I could be wrong on that, but you know, we've we've all seen the pawns, we've all seen the chits, we've seen tons of dice rolling. I think some people are bringing it back to the basics and just finding card games. You know, let's go back to just a card game and trick-taking elements or something widely popular. I would say.
0: I just didn't know if I missed a game designer game <laughs> that you guys
1: didn't invite me to. Yeah, it was actually last May, so Bastards. better read your backlogs on that. <laughs>
0: no, I, You know, there's something to be said for kind of where you were going with at the end of there. I mean, that's us and Father Geek, we sponsored the, you know, micro-ish game uh, mm-hmm. contest for a similar style reason. And not necessarily like, oh, we're tired of board games or anything like that. But it's the, I think we're kind of in the uh, realm of... Portability right now with the explosion of micro games, right? So, you yeah, know, that was one of the things. Like, when we were at Gen Con, we were looking all over, and everybody and their brothers playing Love Letter everywhere you look like <laughs> pubs and, you know, hotel lobbies and everything else. And that was kind of one of the things that struck cyrus and i when we did that was like hey let's let's have some of the designers over on the game crafter do something similar keep a low price point they can get these cool impulse buys but quick playing portable games so i think in that aspect i mean you know you've got a very compact game that is extremely portable it, it doesn't need much more than what comes out of the box and and uh, it's it's getting back, like you said, back to those basics and finding new spins on the trick-taking aspect of thing. Which, again, like you said, we we've all got something. You know, mine was spades. Uh, I'm a, a huge lover of spades still, uh, but. To, be able to get back to those roots and and kind of still have the portability but it being something because you know we're board gamers it's not just a grab a deck of cards it's hey look i have this specialty set of cards that has its own rules to it right there's something to that Mm
1: -hmm. so spades huh
0: yep yep i'm
1: a big spades guy (laughs) I <laughs> ran into a whole bunch of euchre players last week.
0: Yeah, I keep he- yeah, I I've heard that one quite a bit as well, and I actually have never played euchre, and apparently oh. I, um, I'm wrong. <laughs> You're
1: wrong. <laughs> I don't know about wrong, but yeah, it's pissing out. Yeah. Wrong.
0: <laughs> don't care. Spades, damn it. Yep. Spades uh, <laughs> is good. <laughs> So you're not new to designing, as we've already kind of discussed. You've had other games that you've sold on the Game Crafter and whatnot, and ones that you've, uh, if not sold on the Game Crafter, you've played locally with with friends and family and all that good stuff. Do you have a like your own design process, kind of when you start out to get serious about a game? Is there a process that you follow?
1: Man, I I would say my process is uh, a whim. that's kind of what it is I might be taken away by a mechanic that I have fallen in love with I might be taken away by a certain theme that I love or I may have just been doodling at work and been like oh this is genius I could write a theme around this and that you know so I don't really have a process it's all based upon whim and what my muse is for that day so okay
0: yeah well you uh you did talk about playtesting though so you obviously do some playtesting uh uh, how do you go about that? I, I know you have some other people that join you on Gamers Remorse, so it seems like you have access to people willing to play games, but do you have any structure around your playtesting
1: process? Well, the first round is that right after I finished printing it or, you know, getting a copy that I made, I, I played a little bit in my mind. Right. So even when I'm just working with the mechanics and playing around with those, I'll just write on down on a sheet of paper. You know, I'm this player and this player. And how do those different mechanics interact? Second round is I'll try and get some close friends of mine, you know, be like, hey, you want to come over, play this game? So I'll try and get that done. Of course, you know, each of these steps are possible to be skipped, depending on availability. Uh, I have used the Gamers Remorse folks to uh, help out in my playtesting. And they've actually offered some pretty good advice. Uh, I've been to Proto Spiel. Milwaukee was my first one. This last one, was it in March, I yeah, want to say? March 21st. Yeah. Oh, man.
0: That <laughs> one was on call. It couldn't
1: go. Yeah. Yep. So I actually had, uh, what was it, Dave from To The Table Reviews, Zovu, which I don't remember his real name. That's his Game Crafter chat handle. Merson something. He's coming out with a game soon, by the way. Grand Ninja Battle. I don't know if you talked to him. but. Yeah, and then I, I, I had... <laughs> oh, okay. Well, there you go. And then I had uh, Jason Glover, of course, from Gray Gnome, play my game as well.
0: Uh, who's? I've never heard of that guy.
1: Who's yeah, that I guy? haven't either. Something about yeah, a thousand percent funding uh, or something. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, be so a long
0: car trip to this next
1: proto spiel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you going to you going to that with him?
0: Yeah, he's in our carpool for going to Michigan. It's me, him, Matt Warden, and Chris Leader.
1: Oh, nice. That sounds like a playtesting group right there.
0: Yeah, apparently we're supposed to either podcast the entire way and or design <laughs> a game on
1: the way too. But, but
0: those are the two things I've heard from our group so far.
1: <laughs> that would be interesting. <laughs> yeah, so playtesting, I mean, there's multiple layers to it, right? I try not to misutilize the group that I have, right? So if I'm with game designers in playtesting, I try to have more of a solid game because at that point they can, you know, pick out a weakness that I might have uh, or something they might foresee whereas your casual game group they're probably not going to pick out a, you know, a fundamental flaw in strategy. It's just a different mindset of playtesting, I would say. So, my method is running the gauntlet with different groups. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, it, it totally is and and that's one of the reasons why we try to encourage people to do things like proto Spiels and unpub because it is a completely different Level of feedback you're going to get. Right. Um, And even, I mean, it's in your best interest to be as focused in the feedback that you're looking for, no matter where you're playtesting from. But you'll still get probably more specific feedback, even if you're general. Mm-hmm. In what you're asking from a protospiel or an unpub, then say going to your local game store and just finding random people and, you know, going, okay, well, what'd you think? Well, you know, the, the, this should have been, this particular card should have been blue.
1: You know, or, right. You know, <laughs> right. Or, I think know. that's the most difficult part of doing playtesting is just hearing the level and different feedback you get from playtesters. Cause they'll, you know, I mean, they, they want to be useful. So they're trying to give you any feedback they can. And, you know, sometimes you'll get stuff like, I want numbers on here or, you know what, I don't want numbers. And so you get two contrasting opinions. But that's the great part about being the designer, too, is you get to decide what you do and don't do.
0: Well, I think for me, sometimes maybe it's because, you know, we supposedly go by Minnesota Nice. It's uh, <laughs> if, if you're not very specific, you can potentially get the,
1: oh, yeah, yeah, it was good.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, no, it was great. <laughs> Best game ever. It's reasonable. <laughs>
0: Thanks, thanks Thanks for letting me play. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then you'll and, and hear then him you... in the corner later. God, yeah, I don't know why the hell I had to play that damn game.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. Worst ever. <laughs> Did you see the cards? What is that clip art? No. <laughs> All
0: right. I asked this one quite a bit later. Actually, I think it's kind of just become a, uh, a mandatory question almost at this point. But okay. let's say we've got somebody checking out your Kickstarter, and they're on the fence. They're like, Yeah, I might I might like this game. I'm not one hundred percent sure though. What couple things would you tell them to make them go, you know what, you're right, Sean. I absolutely have to back your project
1: right now. Oh man, that's a good question. Well, first of all, since it is a trick taking game, there are variant rules for it. So maybe maybe card flicking isn't your cup of tea, right? Guess what? I have a rule variant for that, where it's purely strategy, purely card play. You know what? Maybe you want to see more card flicking. I have a variant for that. You know? It's also a great game where you can just pick up and, and it takes about a minute to explain the rules. You know, you don't need to go through a whole bunch of chits and explain what each of these special abilities are. It's much, much easier than that. So it's a great casual game is what I would say. You could bring it to your family just as well as you can bring it to your casual game group. You know? And it's, it's a real quick game to play too. So, all around I think, I think this is a game that I would pick up just for having one of those, like as you said, a micro game that you can just pick up to play real quick. And it's also something a little bit different. Okay. So
0: this is going to be your first Kickstarter and obviously you haven't run it yet because we're talking about it in the future here. Mm-hmm. But I do know from ex- from experience and hanging out with you that you have learned things about the Kickstarter process already. So uh, you want st- to, you want to go into starting sharing some lessons there?
1: Yeah. So when I first dipped my toe in the water to really get a feel for what I was doing with this Kickstarter, I went and talked to uh, you know a few, pe- a few people in the uh, gamer community that have been very successful on Kickstarter, and they gave me probably a list of about five things to watch out for. Number one is cost. You, know, you don't want to under cost what you're selling, right? Because you're on the hook to provide those items. The worst thing you can do is get your game funded. And then turn around and say, Oh, guys, I kind of botched it. Sorry. I can't, I can't produce this. Here's your money back. Mm -hmm. Right. So you need to have a path forward. You need to make sure that what you're asking for, you can deliver. You know, so I think I set my goal at 2,500, right? Which is both attainable, but it can also provide me the funds necessary to get the game back to my backers. Something else that I learned that's very important is marketing. We'd talked about that before. It's marketing, 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 or advertising, advertising, advertising. Uh, I've read quite a few blogs on that lately, and I still haven't really put, you know, my finger exactly on what you need to do, you know. <laughs> you obviously need to get reviewers. You need to get your name out there. You need to be pretty active on Board Game Geek. I think, I've, I've heard Reddit, but I've heard mixed reviews on that. I've read some fairly interesting articles in regards to different sources uh, for how to get your name out there. I read this really interesting one on, uh, was it Stone Meyer Games? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've read their oh, articles yeah. we, much.
0: Uh, we recommend Jamie's blog all the time.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I read an interesting thing on there. where it was. I think it was there. It was how to hack Kickstarter, I think is what it was called. It wasn't really hacking, right? Mm-hmm. It was more or less hacking how to discover. So you, you have a product, right? Mine's a trick taker game. Go out there, find multiple trick-taker games, and figure out what sources gave them the most traffic, right? So that's that's not directly accessible because you don't own those other, those other games, so you can't see that. However, what you can do is an image search of that game, you know, and figure out what shows up on the first three in Google. Well, now you have a pretty good place to start, you know, especially if they're reviewers. So I would say that's kind of how I did it. We'll see if it works. Uh, I also assigned a marketing budget to my game as well as part of the the overall cost that I'm expecting to pay. And of course, part of that is I created a giant spreadsheet, right? I've told you about how I'm an engineer and I love to overanalyze things. I created this giant spreadsheet based upon stretch goals, costs. I think I've gotten a quote from the same company about five different times just to see, you know, where I'm expecting the final quote to come in at, because they do change. So, yeah. I would say the big thing is, is marketing. You got to figure out how to get your name out there before you kickstart and while you're kickstarting.
0: And I think one good thing I know Sean has been doing a lot of is asking questions. Ask, 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 ask. Sean's not afraid to ask questions. He hasn't launched yet. He's got plenty of time <laughs> to, to make any changes that are necessary. So. Anytime he's kind of wondering about a, a direction or a path, I know he's, uh, he's always seeking out the feedback for it. And I think that is awesome. And again, it's end of the day, Sean's got to filter it, right? And, and, and utilize it however y- you see fit. Same thing like what we were talking about earlier with, you know, playtester feedback. At the end of the day, it's your game. You've got to decide if, if it's valuable. Feedback to incorporate into the game. Well, same thing with the Kickstarter process. Uh, you gotta evaluate if the feedback you're getting works for the campaign you're trying to produce, but you have been definitely getting a lot of feedback on various things. And, and like I said, sharing your page right now, your preview page and getting feedback there. So that's, it's pretty vital. Um, and I think you've been doing a, a, Excellent job at collecting that feedback and playing the filter game.
1: <laughs> yep, yeah, I've certainly found things that I think have worked so far, and things that have not. But you know, I guess that remains to be seen too. I'm curious to see where most of my traffic and, and backers come from.
0: And you, you know, you mentioned uh, having reviewers, and I find that it, it not interesting, but because obviously you need reviewers. But I gave, I had Forrest on way back when when he was doing his. And I gave him so much crap for being a reviewer and not doing a single review for his Kickstarter.
1: <laughs> I yeah, I, I kinda I started to make one actually, and I got really close to posting it and in fact I think it may have been on there initially, just as like a hey, here's a dummy video for now. But Oh
0: yeah, uh, I called you. On I, it.
1: Yeah, I don't. Oh, you did. <laughs> yeah. You were the one that called me on it. Yeah, because you can't. You can't review your own game. You know, I I put it up there as sort of a hey, this is what it would be like if I were to review it. But in the end, I mean, I think people would look down on that. They would maybe almost consider not backing if you did review yeah. your own game. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't go that route. <laughs> yeah, but but, yeah, but at the same time, it's like I'm a reviewer. I should be able to do this, you know. But yeah.
0: But yeah, it's like, like I said, for, when Forrest had his Kickstarter up, he did no reviews from anybody. Oh. So I gave him crap. I'm like, okay, Forrest, you know, I got to ask you this, right? <laughs> How are you right. a reviewer and have zero reviews on your Kickstarter page?
1: Right. That sends an interesting message. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh,
0: he was very successful though. So. Yeah.
1: He was successful. <laughs> it's just cracked me up at the time. <laughs>
0: All right, so uh, when are you looking at launching
1: again? May twenty seventh. So 27th. almost a month away now.
0: Getting so, how are you feeling?
1: Pretty good. I mean, I think I have everything in order. I'm waiting for that final quote just to really lock down my numbers. But I, based upon what they've said before, I think I'm I'm there. The price might even get a little bit better. So,
0: so do you think you'll be you'll be good and you'll sail in until it's like twenty four hours before you gotta hit the launch button and then.
1: I'll help and then you. I'll freak out. Yeah, you freak out <laughs> right. The manufacturer will call me and tell me we're out of paper, find another manufacturer. Well, yeah. it's, it's
0: one of those things like a, a lot of people do potentially get that little like calm before the storm. And then there's something about that 24-hour period, even if you've been calm forever, it's like, oh, my God, I, as soon as I hit this button – I've screwed something up. I know I have. As soon as, as soon as I do, I know somebody's gonna. The first comment I get is gonna be somebody telling me what I've done wrong.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I suppose that's possible. But I've been working on this thing for. I think I've been sitting on it as it is for like about a month. I mean, I've been tweaking stuff, but yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of expecting smooth sailing. And you know what? If it doesn't go that way, then I can always make corrections. Luckily kickstarter is a free service until you fund so yeah. I can always try it again. This
0: is true. And you're going to you said you're going to be looking for uh 2500. Yep. Is your funding goal? And we're talking about like $15 for a single game. Mhm. So, yeah, you uh and you're going to run for about 30 days. Yep. So uh yeah, you, I I think you will uh shouldn't have any issues. You got reviews lined up.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yep. Hopefully those go well. <laughs> I mean, I slipped everyone an extra fifty, so we should be good. Yeah, it's greatly
0: appreciated. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, I, I think it'll go pretty well. So far, I've heard pretty good feedback on the game. So yeah, I'm expecting these to go somewhat smooth, but we'll we'll see. You know, I mean, the first 48 hours, I think, kind of tells you your story on where you're headed for for Kickstarter.
0: Yeah, they they basically say the between the first forty 48 hour first 48 hours is pretty crucial, and but if and then. Uh, you should hopefully be at by, like, 30% by the end of the first week or something like that if, if for a, uh, a higher chance of success by the end. Mm-hmm. And then there's always that wonderful bell. So have you done anything to try to – I mean, the bell curve happens usually no matter what, unless your name is Glover.
1: <laughs> well, I suppose I could try for the 16-day kickstart, uh, <laughs> but yeah. I don't think it'll but, work.
0: But uh, you, do you have any, uh, anything – Kind of lined up special towards the uh, middle of your campaign or anything like that to kind of uh, like what I always like to call like update fodder type stuff to just kind of keep activity going.
1: Yeah, so I'm actually working on some somewhat secret updates uh, that should be. Yeah, I was just I using. was just
0: gonna say that if it's kind of <laughs> secretive, it's that's cool too. But
1: yep, yep, they they will be very entertaining. So I'll tell you that. So if, if you're not going to fund for the game, fund the dollar just for the, uh, entertaining updates. Well worth it.
0: And, uh, I, you know, I just have to assume that at some point, uh, whether you want there to be or not, we're going to see some form of a puppet.
1: <laughs> the puppet has already been made. That video I know, is out there. I've seen it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was pretty good. I made him a, a little, uh, logo actually that he could put, you know, as a reviewer of sorts. Like, you know, because it's kind of an ironic reviewer. Right. <laughs> and he actually said, well, I don't I don't want to post that because might might make me seem too official. And I was like, all right, all right, that's cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, for anybody that, that isn't aware, just be on the lookout for a puppet video at some point.
1: <laughs>
0: if you've been anywhere around, if you go over to Chevy Dodds right now, poll, you can probably find another video for there. I don't remember if he did one for Jason's, did he?
1: No, he didn't. Okay.
0: Yeah, this was was pre-Crazy uh, Joe's Puppet Reviews game reviews.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, All right,
0: so um, we're getting close to the end here, so is there anything you want to make sure we cover before we uh, end our time together?
1: I don't think so, other than just uh, please go out there, please help me back this. Uh, this is my first game I'm putting out there, so... I'm really excited about it, and I hope that you guys are too.
0: All right, so uh, I'm, I'm going to try, try this off the top of my head here, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong. Ready? All right. All right, everybody, so here's what we want you to do. Shogun Showdown will be coming to Kickstarter May 27th, running for 30 days. Sean is going to be looking for $2,500 to get this game made, and $15 can get you a copy of your own. How'd I do? perfect excellent all right so again uh shogun showdown a little uh trick taking with some dexterity and variants if you want more of either <laughs> and less of the other or something like that uh, will be included as well so sean thanks for hanging out with me sir yeah thank you All right, everybody. Again, check the show notes. I'll have the preview link there, which, of course, when this does launch, will also take you over, redirect you to the live campaign. But if you check out the preview, give Sean some feedback if you see something that you uh, have a question about or you want to see more of. And uh, don't forget that you can also click the notify on launch that you will see on on there as well. And it will tell you the moment that that project goes live. All right. So that is our time for this interview. I will be back again soon and we will be talking to more people thanks for listening.
1: This podcast is a proud member of the Geek Cast Network. If you enjoyed it and are looking for other podcasts with a geek culture slant, head over to geekcastnetwork.com, where you will find podcasts such as Two Bald Geeks, a podcast by two bald horror movie fans that dissect one horror movie a month, saving the spoilers for last. The Geek Cast Network. You can broadcast your geekiness at geekcastnetwork.com.